0: the word hope came to mind and I didn't have that early in recovery. I don't have that in some of my worst days, sometimes recently, you know, in sobriety. I, I've been going through a lot, man. And, but again, if I come back to where I was and where I am, it's not just the material successes, but you see the propensity for hope in the hopeless. So if you think you're at a bottom below bottom below bottom, and it's unreachable, something's got you listening to this podcast. Something's got you in that chair in that room. Have some, don't be afraid to have hope because it's there and you can see
1: it if you look for it. That was John DeLisa and this is The Share Podcast.
2: It's time for The Share Recovery Podcast where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now here's your host, Oh. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode
1: of the Share Podcast. And today we have John DeLisa joining us on the show. But before we dive into John's episode, I am very excited to announce that I will finally be launching my new membership site for personal development and coaching called ShareSpace. So we have the Share Podcast, which will always be for free. We have the Share Recovery Network on Facebook, the private group that will always be for free. And now I will be launching ShareSpace the Empowerment Network, which again is a personal development and coaching membership site. And for this group, SHARE is still spelled S-H-A-I-R, but stands for Success, Happiness, Authenticity, Intuition, and Resilience. And I will be launching a video very soon inviting those of you who want to join me on this. This will be a paid membership site. What this group embodies is 15 years of life experience, coaching, mentorship, personal development that I've experienced. So each week, you will be able to get on a live video call with me using the Zoom software where we can all see each other. And the only people that will be able to see the call, be on the call, or replay the call are the members. So you don't have to worry. This is not a Facebook Live. This is a private online meeting, but where everyone can see each other and everyone can participate. So if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh my God, I totally want to get in on this, then send me an email at omar at omarpinto.com. That's omar at omarpinto.com. And just write, hey, oh, please tell me more about ShareSpace, because this sounds like it could be the right fit for me. And in other Share Podcast news, the Share Podcast is now on Spotify. I know that there's a lot of you that listen to it, and I've been trying to get on there for a while now, and we're finally on there. So. Go to Spotify, type in S-H-A-I-R in the search bar, and then click on follow to the Share Podcast on Spotify. And for this holiday season, I'd like to do the give back. And there is one person that has been the most supportive for me in 2017 when it comes to the Share Podcast, and that is Mr. Christopher Lee Falk. He's the one who made it possible for me to get out to Minnesota and become a recovery coach. So as we approach the holiday season right now, and you'd like to give someone a gift that embodies recovery, then I would encourage you to go to www.allrecoveryrings.com. When Christopher got clean and sober, he went all in on recovery. And for years now, he has been turning recovery medallions into rings that you can wear. I have three of those beautiful rings myself. So if you're looking for a gift to give to yourself or others, then please take a moment to go to www.allrecoveryrings.com and order your All Recovery Ring today. And now it's time to read one of our latest podcast reviews. And this one comes from Gavin. The title is Life Affirming Podcast. I was lucky enough to find the Share podcast early in my sobriety and it has helped me more than I can say. I was devouring two or three episodes per day and every interview has something I can relate to. This helps me understand my addiction and gives me hope in recovery. Omar is an amazing interviewer. He has a knack for being able to relate to people from all walks of life and all over the world. Keep doing it, man, and HP, baby. Gavin, from Brighton in the UK. Thank you, Gavin. Gavin is also a very active member of the Share Recovery Network and contributes daily in the group. Thank you again, Gavin, for being such a huge supporter of the show. HP, baby. (laughs) Now, a quick message from Transitions Daily, and then on to the show. Hello. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources, accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hello. Hey, John, thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Excellent, excellent. It's great to have you on the show. And how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? <laughs> Couldn't be better. Ready to rock and roll, man. Definitely. This is what we're doing. We're doing it. We're doing it. All right, so folks, today we have John DeLisa joining us on the Share Podcast. And uh, I got an email from John, well, at this this I'm gonna to read to you the original email I got from John but it has been I'm glad he has. how long Great. has it been it's been what six months close to a year Wow yeah <laughs> yeah nothing much has changed right <laughs> <laughs> well let you tell me if it's changed all right so here's what John sent me I've been listening to your podcast for the for the last several months and it has been a lifesaver I'm a traveling performer by trade this doesn't leave mm-hmm. a lot of time for face-to-face meetings. But between service, like intherooms.com and your podcast, I've been able to stay very active in the AA program. My story has a lot to do with Sober Nation, whom you speak of on your podcast. Man, that's how long it's been. <laughs> For real? I can't tell you how my HP has led me through this, the most miraculous moments in my recovery journey. Not the least of which is bringing me here to write to you. I absolutely loved that email. So, first of all, I wanted to thank you for that.
0: No, thanks for um, thanks for reading it, man. You're you're very active with uh, with your listener base, and that's that means a lot. You know what I mean? You're really making it about service, and I think that really is uh, a credit to the success of the show. So, thank you know, thank you.
1: Well, I'll tell you this much: what I've noticed is that you know some of my strongest downloads are from the people in the Facebook group, and just yep. your regular average. Guys, so the members that are active in the group and the stories that are just from the your neighbor next door, the guy in your community. You'd never get,
0: right? That's the best, that's the best part about it is you, you hear someone talk and we have all these pre- preconceived notions and then you hear just the most amazing things from people you wouldn't expect.
1: Well, that's what I think and I'm starting to learn more and more about what my listeners want. And yeah, I've had authors and I've had some people that have done some pretty amazing things. And, you know, I think, wow, this is my, my, my audience is going to love this. And it's, they're not as popular. They're not as popular as the people that they, they go, you know what? I think I'm going to be able to relate to this guy even more. Right. So I think they like.
0: Well, that's, that's been my experience as well. Cause you know, when, when you do perform for a living, you don't know when to turn it off. Right. (laughs) And so with social media and, you know, all these wonderful things I'm so happy that this exists here, the share podcast and things like in the room and sober nation, because we're all of a sudden breaking through social media, you know, basically the, the, the forum for people's lives to be shown the way they want it to and injecting the truth that we have to find in recovery to survive as addicts. And so all of a sudden people are like, Oh, you can be real in front of everyone. Everybody always says like, how can you just like tell it like it is and be so comfortable? It's like, well, because, Truth is the way I have to survive today. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not privy to lying and cheating and doing all the things that I used to while I was using because it's not only, you know, bad, I'm doing air quotes right now, but it's also, you know, it's also counteractive to my spiritual life and it, and it, and it will catch up. And, and I'm, you know, I'm very serious about the, the deadliness of this disease because at the end of the day, if we're not keeping it real with ourselves and, and the people in recovery and, uh, and, and beyond, you know, we're just doing ourselves a disservice and just going to end up right back to where we were.
1: No, I could not agree more. So John, you're a traveling performer. And one of the reasons why I was excited to get you on the show is because the biggest challenge that many of us face is that ability to maintain a recovery routine, right? And mm-hmm. so when I read your email, you were using in the rooms, you're using the podcast, right? And yeah. and there's people out there that are going through similar struggles like yourself as far as consistency. So mm-hmm. what does your normal daily routine look like for a traveling performer?
0: Well, that's the thing. It's got to exist in the bag you take with you. Um, it's, if you're on the river, you're on the ocean, you're on the road. The thing that's consistent are the things that I think everyone learns earlier, you know, early in recovery, regardless of what fellowship you belong to or faith you belong to, you know, getting on your knees in the morning, thanking God and asking for help. Keeping that my meditation life is uh, is definitely, definitely a big part of it. Uh, I actually I use another social media source, Headspace has uh, mm. been a wonderful resource and it's, uh, it's focused and it helps me. But again, you know, it's it's sticking to the basics, but. In the world of traveling, it's about using what resources you have to implement recovery principles. Principles, I found it when I was stuck in one place. I got, to, when, when I got kicked out of school, I had, you know, I was in that room. You know, it was, it was you know, about seven, seven plus years ago now, smoke filled, a bunch of old timers. I learned how to make coffee. I was at the same, you know, I was at the same plastic bench <laughs> on and on. Like I didn't, I didn't lead like a glamorous, you know, song and dance life. You know what I mean? And even then, you know, even now it's, it has its challenges. But, you know, I had my butt in that seat for for a while and I learned I learned first things first. And uh, and translating that into the world of the Internet and recognizing that the challenges that come from living abroad, I have the people that I, I got my circle. I hop on in the rooms and I know who I'm talking to. I know who to call. I know. Um, I know who's going to be there. And I got one guy in Vietnam and I got another guy that's in California. But at the same time, I would consider them just as close to me spiritually as I would with, with my sponsor who I see um, in Orlando, Florida, you know, the guy that, that I see in person. So I, I wouldn't discount face-to-face interactions, just like in the rooms reports, But at the same time, to create a daily routine based on what it is that you want to do with your life and recovery principles. Recovery is not here to limit us; it's here to set us free. And so, I'm not afraid to to head on out there and make sure that I keep my constant contact with my higher power and also the fellowship around me. That's a choice that I make, and it's a it's a journey; it's a day to day thing, just like anything else. And so, the discipline you bring with you is, you know, completely up to you and how it works for you.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. There's so many takeaways from that, but again, the most important thing is that you know wherever you go it goes in your bag, you know, you take it yep. with you because, Oh man,
0: I literally have a bag. <laughs> like it's sitting there and I've got, <laughs> I brought em- my, my first contract overseas. I brought uh, emotional sobriety with me. AA comes of age. And I'll tell you what, when you bring recovery with you, the people that come into your life, I was, uh, I had to prep to go overseas for the first time uh, and I was terrified because I'm like, I'm not going to have my meetings. I was just graduated. What am I going to do? But my sponsor sat me down and said, look, you know, you've been given a gift and you're called to use it for a life changing adventure. But mm-hmm. sobriety, at
3: first. Said, yeah, I
0: know. I know. And he goes, but you don't have to choose. The false dichotomy is just that you create a choice for yourself. That's not there. That's what the disease does to you. So what we did was we came up with a plan. We sat down and I knew what my game plan was being overseas. I knew where I was going to be with Wi-Fi. I knew who I was going to talk to, where I was going to check in. I had my, um, my assignments and my little homework assignments that I brought with me in my bag. And you know what happened? And I don't actually get to talk about this a lot. Cause a lot of people don't really understand it, it, but yeah, man, I'm telling you on cruise ships, right? That's a, a lot of my work has been, uh, overseas on cruise ships and, and cruise ships in America, uh, singing and cruise directing and stuff. And, uh, You'd be surprised. There's actually a friends of Bill following that exists on cruise ships, sort of like this, like recovery underground. And you see all of a sudden the circle and triangle. It's like the same thing in airports. If you're stuck in a delay, you know, you hear stories about the guy that just puts up the little circle and triangle sign and then lo and the meeting pops up. I met, I was in tears when my cruise director found out that I was in recovery. Cause you know, I don't exactly open with it. Um, but at the same time, He's like, oh, no, we have those meetings. There's a couple of guests that are requesting it. And I was, I was a mess at seeing God move. And my castmates were so supportive. They were like, that's so great, man, go. And I, to this day, in my little little bag of memorabilia, I've got a, <laughs> a little police badge. Uh, you mentioned bag, man. It's a, not only a metaphor. It's a real thing. I have one.
1: <laughs> Everyone should have one of these bags. You know,
0: hey, and they say it in Ocean Training, too. You have your grab bag. It's just your yeah. Bible bag. And, um, so I meet these people in recovery it was so amazing. And, uh, yeah, man, to, to, to expound upon the metaphor, when you're on the ocean, anything can happen. Right. And, um, so you have what's called this and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll only tangent for a second. Um, uh, when you got your survival bag, um, you could wake up two in the morning and all of a sudden you're, you're ankle deep in water. I've heard stories, and I had to do Coast Guard survival training. I'm a singer, man. I graduated musical theater, and all of a sudden, they're teaching me how to fight fires, and I'm in, like, turnout gear, and it's crazy. That's the cruise ship for you. And um, But what they say, in in you know more along the lines of what you're saying, is uh, you fill your bag with your GPS, with your flares, with your food rations, because just, you know, God forbid, you know, you're going to be stranded at sea. But you wake up every day, your grab bag's right beside you, you grab it, You know you don't need it. There's no emergency. You're just going to go along the gate and you set it down. I think that's a lot of what recovery is, is that the reason sponsors ask you to call them every day, the reason you go to 90 meetings in 90 days and, you know, everyone has their hangups about different things, but you're creating habits. Bill Wilson and, you know, in the 12 steps really started to find what modern psychology is called cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, and I may be a singer, and a dancer and performer, but a lot of my story is, is researching this stuff and, and coming to the collegiate spotlight about it. I told you a little bit about that.
1: A li- yes, a little bit, but I want you to expand on that later.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely go into it. But I guess the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that that grab bag, wherever you are, because people move, things happen. I mean, with the, with the hurricanes that have been happening, I was in Tampa when Irma came, Irma came around. Thank God we're all right. But you can't rely upon four walls to be your recovery. If all of a sudden you're not making a meeting, what, is your life going to fall apart? No, you've got your phone. You know, if you don't got your phone, what's going to happen? No, you've got your knees in, a, in, in the ground and God above you. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, like that bag, I think should be a part of everyone's recovery life.
1: Yes. There's too many takeaways to even go into every single one of <laughs> us. So you guys are going to have to rewind a few times and listen. But all kidding aside... That's great advice, right? Like, this could save your life. Just consciously being conscious of the fact that wherever you go, you need your survival grab back, period. And I don't think that enough people, you know, take that into consideration. I guess especially if you get into... Into into a regular routine, you have a regular home we group.
0: complacent. Yeah. And we're like, why aren't we growing? Why aren't we changing? Well, because you're not assessing what's in your bag and what's necessary. You're leaning on the things that mm. early in recovery got you to where you are. But, you know, the steps call for growth. Grow nice. or diamond. And, and we. Uh, I know it says in a bunch of literature that we seized this program, like the drowning for life preservers. And I got to tell you, I was around a lot of life preservers for most of my career. And I still am. And that's that's the truth.
1: So, what does your spiritual practice look like?
0: It's a It's an interesting story. I was, I was raised Catholic, and so you know that comes with a whole bunch of stuff and uh, a lot of history there. But um, as I got older, you know I, I became kind of hard-headed and but today, it's very much about energy and it's very much about understanding. I like the quote from Rudy, right? You know that movie with Sean Astin? Uh-huh. you know, the, from the Notre Dame, yes. the priest goes to him and he's, you know, he's all confused. He's all Sean Anthony. And he goes, uh, he goes In all my years as a Catholic priest, he goes, I know two things that there is a God and I'm not him. <laughs> 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 and so to be honest with you, it doesn't need to go a whole lot further than that. Even though I do enjoy the Eastern mysticism, I do enjoy spirituality as a concept. The more complicated that this alcoholic and addict makes it, the worse my life gets. So I tried to keep it as simple as possible. That, that's about a, uh, I know I need to seek guidance. What that looks like today is just something I
1: trust. And that's about it. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. All right. So tell us, John, how old you, well, no, first of all, tell us how much clean time you have and when is your anniversary date?
0: I actually just passed my anniversary date. Uh, September 5th, 2011 uh, is my sobriety day. I've been sober about six years.
1: Congratulations. Funny story behind that is my first meeting ever Mm. was September 5th, (laughs) September 5th, Uh 2000. Okay, I got clean and sober in 2003. So that was 2002. So 2002, Uh September 5th, and I'll never forget that, that date. Like when I hear it, I'll never forget it because that was the date. Ain't no coincidences anymore. Right, that was my first clean date, right? My, Mm. My next clean date was May 26th. 2003. And that was, yeah. you know, the last time I had, you know, I was a, that was my first 24 hours clean and sober was on May 26th.
0: It takes that year. And I, I, I have the same cause I came into the room uh, in May of 2010, actually. And so there that relapse is, I think is an important, important thing to say out loud. A lot of people think it's gotta be that one ship wonder. And it, it, it really doesn't have to be.
1: What was the date? May what? Oh man, May 10th. Okay. 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 I was going to say, if it was May 26, 2010, <laughs> and it was, you know, I was like, oh, my uh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for it. anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we always are. That's, that's, how we, that's how we get by. I hear that.
1: So tell us what it was like the first time you drank or used drugs, and more importantly, how did they make you feel?
0: I think back to that day, and I thought about how it made me feel, because I remember you asking people this question, but I, I've come to know it as the way it made me not feel. Um hmm. uh, in, in that moment and that's I think an important distinction to make as we go along in recovery. But uh yeah, man, I was in college, Florida state, woohoo, go no. And uh <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the thing. I mean that's what it was, man. It was it was it was college, I was an adult and I'd never touched a drop of anything in high school. So when I took that first drink I I, I was like, I'm eighteen now, so I'm gonna make some adult decisions. <laughs> and uh I wanted to fit in, you know, I wanted to go to the party and the seniors had this house and I was this new kid in this big program for musical theater and I was terrified. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I got to give it a try at least once. And it was uh, Sam Adams because I like the commercials so there's the first bit of alcohol thinking for you.
1: Yeah, but I love Sam Adams. That was a delicious beer.
0: I hated it. Really? I I swear to you, I took a sip and I said, drinking's not for me. And I thought, I was like, all right, good. I gave it a shot and then this really cute girl comes up Mm -hmm. to me. Right? And she, uh-huh. and she goes, have you tried wine? And she gave me a little sip of the rosé, and I have a big sweet tooth. So not only what well, I'm talking I'm, t- I'm sucking on a lozenge right now just because I'm getting over cold, but just to let you know. Yeah, I, I have to listen. I didn't force myself to listen to your sugar podcast, by the way, the girl on that. I will, trust me. Anyway. Anywho. So all, all kidding aside, I, um, I took that sip. Of rosé and the sugar kicked in, the sweetness. I didn't taste the alcohol, but I all of my problems melted. The 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 tunnel vision kicked in, and then I proceeded to drink every unfinished glass. <laughs> I swear to you, I went from beer sucks, alcohol is not for me, to wow, this is great. And uh, I tried some other substances that night in the way of uh, in the way of the marijuana, and um, I remember spinning out of control uncontrollably vomiting, waking up in my apartment the next day not knowing how I got there saying I gotta do that again <laughs> you know
1: I do, just... actually I do
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that was the way it made me feel was invincible and I like most addicts have a big problem with vulnerability and here was and I'm a big fantasy nerd, right, comics all that stuff um, here was my potion here was my elixir that I could take and I had a shield I my own fears didn't get to me other people didn't get to me no girl was unapproachable I was I was indestructible you know and um and I think a lot of people take that for granted especially young people in sobriety and they think it's a phase but I'll tell you what there is a way to find out for sure and you will know if you're paying attention and uh you'll know so yeah that was the first time
1: John you're all warmed up buddy oh yeah so, John, it's time for you to share your story, the battle against drugs and alcohol, the wreckage it caused in your life when you hit rock bottom, and then finally, your journey into recovery up until today. So, John, take it away.
0: Man, I appreciate that. I was, um, man, i uh, it's been a while since I told my story, and uh, I, I spit out the lodgings. I'm taking this, this serious. But it was, um, yeah, it was um, college. Uh, 2008 is when I first entered into the world of drinking. And now before that, I'm the oldest of eight kids, you know, cause I know a lot of people talk about their families here and, uh, really it, it was tough. There's a lot of divorce, a lot of trauma, which I'm, you know, just exploring now with the steps. And, uh, and it was, it was hard to cope because a lot of coping in my family for better, for worse is, you know, just buck up and carry on, buck mm-hmm. up and carry on. And, yeah. you know, to an extent you, you have to, you know, and I was the oldest and, um, and I had a lot of a lot of little ones below me that uh, that I saw suffering, and I felt powerless. Right, the thing that the programs, all the twelve steps say we should embrace, and I said, Oh, no way, man. no way, am I gonna? You know, I need to feel powerful. So my whole life, I was looking for the thing that would make me feel powerful. And um, I'm I'm kind of this musical freak in nature. I'll, I'll say it out loud, and uh, I can. I can pick out a melody. I'm a composer. And, I, you know, music just comes naturally, man. And, and I, I recognize now now that as a gift of God. But I claim that power because people paid attention. They uh, Girls would notice me as I got older, like mm-hmm. in middle school. Uh, you know, I got into chorus and I started achieving academically and stuff. And here was the thing I was good at. Here was the thing that made me untouchable. But the thing is, you know, that sort of stuff, leaning on on, on your own power alone, and resolving, you know, resolving the fact that you think you can alone create your own happiness and be your own higher power. I, I was, you know, school does that when you're doing well. You feel like kind of a demigod, you know, and popularity and and being good and getting accolades, you know, to a normal person is supposed to encourage success and confidence. But for an addict that's not dealing with his issues, it created a huge god complex. No. I'll tell you right now. You know, and I, I thought I was, you know, doing the best I could and just, you know, carrying on. And I was being responsible for the most part. But looking back at it through the lens of recovery, I was a little asshole.
1: You know, I know you got <laughs> <use> it. <laughs> are, you being, are you being a little modest? <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sugarcoating it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just thought I was hot shit. And um, I was for a while until I wasn't. And so, you know, days go on and, and I'm starting to notice in high school and later, and if I start to, you know, hormones are kicking in and uh, I actually, I'm one of those that suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders and they're still trying to put a name to it, but the last I heard it was bipolar disorder, so we'll see mm-hmm. about that. And that's an outside issue, but at the same time, how it plays into my recovery is self-medicating. Um, so when you, when you choose to take uh, difficult problems, anything from from divorce, from mental illness, from you know your everyday problems growing up, and solve it with alcohol or solve it with ego. That's going to be a recipe for disaster. So um, the early signs came in high school, and uh, I started having altercations emotionally uh, for no reason. I started having racing thoughts, and I needed an escape, and I and I didn't have it. Um, I somehow graduated summa cum laude and all these accolades, and I got into this fancy-dancy school. Um, and I'll tell you what, colleges today that aren't on the, the recovery train, they're, I'm working on the resentment, as you can tell. But uh, at the end, <laughs> i got to be honest. But at the end of the day, there, there's a big culture of enabling because we refuse to see how our young people, are needing recovery and how the things that we label as a phase to ignore accountability ends up launching people into full on adult alcoholics. And that's what Florida state did. And, uh, now that's what my alcoholism did. I recognize this. And actually a lot of schools are making a lot of changes, but we
3: can get into that
0: later. Um, so I'm at Florida state and I'm just trying stuff. You know, I, I did talk about, you know, the Rose experience and, uh, I just felt like I was king of the world and I stopped going to classes because the thing with alcohol is, and with, ego, at least in my experience, if it was easy and it came naturally to me me and I could succeed, I was doing it. If it was hard, if it would challenge, I don't want that. This is about me looking good. This is about me feeling good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's you know, uh, you know, later in recovery, we, we hope that translated to healthy, you know, perspectives on ourselves and whatnot. And it's still a struggle, you know, it's a day by day thing. But back then, that was um, not only the only thing I desired in life, you know, to, to uh, get by on instinctual mm-hmm. actions. But it was also, you know, I had to be the best no matter what, because I had this deep seated insecurity that I wasn't worth nothing. That it was all and literally it was all an act. That I was not only an actor on stage, you know, and I talk a big game and I'm showy or whatever, it's just my personality, but uh, recovery has showed me the worth of my person, but I didn't, I didn't have the strength to look at my person, even amidst all this accomplishment. It was just to cover up my deep-seated insecurity. And
1: Which is interesting, which is interesting because you graduated summa cum laude, Right.
3: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and, and and you were you're an actor, right? So you were acting in school. You were getting all these accolades. I'm sure. I'm am assuming the girls were right there in the mix.
0: Oh my gosh, it was like a it was like a, a it was like a buffet. It was awful. It it's was. Called, and I, I yeah, recognize.
1: Yeah, yeah. There is a god complex, no doubt about it. That's that's going to kick in. That's the truth. But it's what's interesting is that with all of that going on around you, you still have all these insecurities.
0: Because it's the things we don't address. You know, it's the things that, and a lot of people skate by until until disaster hits, and that's exactly what happened with that first drink. It was the floodgate that con- that actually, instead of opening, which is what I feel recovery did, um, it shut the doors even harder. And the thing about that is, the soul, uh, in the words of uh, Melody Beattie, a great uh, AA and codependency writer, mm-hmm. the soul will have its way. I may be paraphrasing it. I'm pretty sure I, I am, but the soul and, and your higher power, that knock, that itch, that hole, it, it gets louder, man. And um, for those that think it's harder, you know, the easier, softer way is they think, you know, it's the, the drugs, the alcohol, you know. Hey, if alcohol still worked, I was thinking this the other day when I was listening to your podcast, if alcohol still worked, that'd be great. I, sobriety and feelings and all these things, this is really tough. Like, this is, this is a lot. But at a certain point, all the doors you keep trying to slam that knock just got louder and louder and louder for me. And I stopped all the things that I was really good at. All of a sudden I stopped being good at, I stopped showing up to school. I stopped showing up to class. I started getting into drugs day in and day out and it became an everyday thing. And a lot of people, uh, young and sobriety, especially me was like, well, you know, and, and certain old timers, you know, you, you gotta watch what you say around the young ones, because if you say, oh, I, I spilled more than you drank. Well, that's a wonderful thing to say, But at the same time, we raised the bottom here because I drank 24 hours. My qualification is my bottom and how bad it got. And drinking every day, stealing beer from the fridge, um, going from those sugary drinks to really hard liquor. I'll never forget my last big, big drunk. And a lot of people celebrate their sobriety this way. Um, I think uh, my sponsor talked about that the other day. But in St. Patrick's Day of 2010 uh, was really when I was just considering about, you know, uh, I was surprised they hadn't kicked me out. I was still getting rolled, Omar. I was still I was still being passed because they liked what I could do. Right. And 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 I, and I didn't know the difference between quality of life and success in the arts and success mm. in what the thing that I was supposed to be doing. So, come St. Patrick's Day, I'm with this girl, if you could even call it that. And, um... I'm telling you, and I'm like, but and I, here I have. What does I have that a, mean? I, yeah, right. I, shoot. Okay. We, uh, yeah. It was. It was, uh, it was destructive. You know, we don't we don't have relationships during you know during our using or at least we don't have a concept of what's going on. So uh, really, it was just uh, more using. Hot. Oh, exactly, mm-hmm. man. Exactly, more using. More I love using. that. And that's what it was. And um, so St. Patrick's Day rolls around, and I come up with me. The, the ego extraordinaire comes up with a great idea to stop drinking. Great, perfect plan, right? But it's St. Patrick's Day, so I'll drink one more time. Just one one more blowout, whatever. I drank, and I don't like to go into drunkologues, but I drank so much that night that the next morning I had pretty much, and it took me about three years in recovery to really identify with the things that Bill talks about in the book, about delirium tremens and about all these different things. I'm like, well, I wasn't that bad. But then when the fog clears that day, blood vessels would burst in my face. Mm. I had delirium tremens. I was actually, uh, when I uh, started to remember what the doctor said about me in the hospital, I was having the beginnings of the wet brain. Yes. I actually had alcoholic paralysis, like all within that period of time. So I must urge newcomers and old timers do not discount the experience and the severity of young people in recovery. Listen to their experience and understand that if they're even in the rooms, whether voluntary or not, they're there for a reason, man. They got a story. And yes. I, uh, yeah, and th- in that day I was stuck on the couch and uh, thank God um, I had the wherewithal to call my mom and she, she came and got me, you know, and she took me home and it wasn't long before um, I continue to use around my family, and uh, so college was cyanara, and now I'm home, right? And uh, being around family and using is probably the hardest thing that I that I have in my story because I do I do feel that I'm supposed to be an example as an older brother. I'm supposed to be the guy that sort of leads the charge, right? And, and I've you know developed healthier relationships with my family moving forward, but. That is what I felt. And I could not tell you the shame of using with my siblings sometimes and having them look at me and seeing me fall apart. And it was it was it was a shameful experience to to lead that life in front of impressionable um, brothers and sisters that I love. And uh, eventually it was my stepmom that had a wherewithal to say, if you don't get help, you cannot live here. Mm. You're out. Yeah. I heard that loud and For some reason, thank God, I heard that loud and clear. I said, let's go. I said, take me to the hospital. Of all the rambling and the incoherent nonsense that comes from detoxing or continuing to use, I wasn't detoxing. I was, I was managing my alcoholism, if that's even a thing. <laughs> because it's not. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I was in the hospital May uh May of uh, I was in there for a week. Um and that was extremely eye opening and that's where I dried out and uh my parents visited me every day, you know, listened to all the nonsense, all the resentment and all the, the the racing thoughts that come with this uh this detox process. And um I'll tell you what, the coolest thing that happened when I was in there and you'll get a kick out of this, um there was a guy that came in for a heroin overdose, right? And my biggest defense mechanism that I still struggle with today is, oh, well, I don't got it bad as that, you know. There's a healthy version of, you know, <laughs> but for the grace of God, there go I, right? Yes. Uh, that's not where I was coming from. Mm. This guy came in. I've been I've been in in here for a while. You know, they they you know are talking to me. They got me on medication, trying to drive me out. I'm not really getting any better. You know, uh, not really accepting that I'm there, just temporary, right? And he goes, uh, he hands me a 12 and 12. He goes, yeah, I relapsed and I just, I needed a safe place to stay, but um, I know where to go. You know, I was sober for X amount of time, blah, 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 blah. I only remember hearing so much because of where I was. But I remember him handing me this book, this blue book, the the tiny 12 and 12. And it was awesome. I'm a big list guy. I'm a Virgo. I'm very, very uh, anal retentive. I need everything. I remember you saying on the, on the podcast once that the, the, the precision that you put into the podcast, I really related to that. Because I do the same thing with my career. I'm very, very detail-oriented because I care about it.
1: I call it OCD. And,
0: well, it can be useful. <laughs> we could, we could, we could use it. That's the, you know, it's, it's all good. Well, We do. We on.
1: use it, and we use it well.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I think um, we get to see, you know, because while while going through the steps, we see both of our defects and we see our assets, and sometimes there are assets lurking in our defects, and I've loved how the, how recovery has done that to just, just as a side note. Um, so this guy has his 12 and 12 and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, find Jesus or whatever he wants me to do. And, uh, he gets out the next day. Okay. I'm judging this guy. I've been here for, uh, I've been in the hospital for like four days. something like that. this guy gets in and I said, Oh, this, this guy's got a way worse than me. Heroin, please. And he gets out the next day and I go to the doctor. I said, Whoa, this kid, you know what he's done you know the you know what i mean this is this is me
3: <laughs>
0: My My i'm like you know how bad this guy is and he stuck and he leaves why am i still here and that's and i couldn't see in that moment that that's exactly why i wasn't going anywhere uh-huh. i was such in a in an alcoholic fog that i couldn't function and uh and it didn't hit me till later in sobriety that um that that was a blessing that I saw demonstratively what a guy can, that can relapse from such a hardcore substance can use the 12 steps to know exactly what to do. When we were talking about that grab bag, that guy not only was in a, was in a facility, but he made himself. I'm going to cry now. He made himself of service to me. And he admitted where he was instantly because of however much time he had in the room, he was a little older and he was out and he was, back on his feet. I hope that God is back on his feet. And, um, and that was a demonstrative example, even in that state of the power of this thing, you know? And, um, luckily I did get out. <laughs> luckily I started listening cause you know, I started to dry up a bit and, um, <laughs> and I, you know, I had that white light moment, uh, before I was, you know, finally admitted I was in the hospital and my parents dropped me off. And this is before I got out. And I, for some reason, instinctually said, I don't know what I'm doing. And I fell to my knees in that little cot in this really high-walled room with my, all my clothes and my belongings gone. I have no friends. I have no money. I've lost every scholarship that I've worked so hard for. And the only thing I remember, I don't know what time of day it was, but I said, I don't know what I'm doing. God, what have you got? And I saw a light. I think it was the sun. It could have been whatever you want to describe it as. But I was instantly aware of a hope beyond myself. Now, cultivating a relationship with that and dealing with all the hangups, that's what the steps are for, that's what the meetings ended up being for later in recovery. But that moment you know, of surrender and that example in that hospital were two very, very powerful examples for me in recovery. Early recovery, I should say. Um, yeah, so what happened then? Something else happened, I'm sure, because that was... <laughs>
1: Seven years ago, <laughs> that sent you. You went back in time, didn't you?
0: Uh, man, you know, uh, it's the first of a performer. I, you know, I uh, all of a sudden I have to put myself in those shoes, but uh, I did. I, you I did. did good. It was, uh, you did good. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks, yeah, I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was, it was necessary. You know,
1: I think you know what. A uh, sidebar. I think mm-hmm. that if more people can connect with that, there is there is moments in my story. That I'll be going along my story and telling my story, almost like, you know, I was picking up a loaf of bread at the grocery store. But there are those moments in my story where the minute I start talking about it, I'm right back there. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I've just transported myself back in time, and all the emotions and all the fear and all the desperation just come pouring in.
0: But it needs to. Uh,
1: yes, I was going to say that's. I think it's super important that we that we keep that. That should be in your. Your grab bag.
0: true, man. No, I'm, uh, I'm glad you said that. It's just because today I understand that vulnerability is, is the... It's key. It's the li- I'm telling you, man. It's, it's the life spring of this. And, and we, I have to practice that because like anything um, that I practice in the arts or whatever, like like lifting weights, I'm into the gym now uh, a lot more than I have been. It is is an exercise.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and the more we do it, the stronger we get and the better our quality of life gets. And it's not all, you know, again, with the explicit material, someone said once in NABD, he goes, life isn't all sunshine and orgasm. Um, <laughs> uh, that woman, I'll never forget her. She was the best. Um, oh, hold on, me, hold
1: on. Of, is it life is it sunshine? Yeah,
0: yeah do you need that? I'm writing woman. that down, buddy. <laughs> I,
1: got, I, I promise you I will be using that.
0: That's <laughs> well, yeah, not mine, and I think the best stuff, in recovery is, is just stuff to pick up, you know, just from time to time. And that's, that's pretty darn cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember that, but, um, yeah, life, life, did get better, but the best part about it was, and I'm, I'm able to see this today. It didn't get better on my term. Hmm. I thought it would the first year of sobriety. I'm like, Oh my gosh, here's my new invulnerability recipe. Here's the new set of circumstances that I can use to John's advantage. Right. I can take this and get what I want out of life because that's how spirituality works. Right. So, uh, I go into, yeah, I go into this. Uh, my first meeting is a small Catholic church, uh, my hometown. Again, I have no money, no friends, no sense of self sanity, anything. And I get out and I'm there and I get this. All I remember is terrifying. Something is said, I'm holding someone's hand. I'm saying a prayer that I remember from childhood I get a chip and a hug and I got a bunch of numbers and then I'm off to the races, man. And I tried to prove that I was good at recovery, just like I had to prove in school that I was the best at this, 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 My sponsor, this big black guy, he's amazing. Ken, Ken W. Wasn't having it. I was raised on hardcore old timers early on. This was 2010 so across the way down downtown palm Harbor in ozona it's called the ozona group it's still there to this day the hurricane didn't even touch it that that place is tough as, as the building is as tough as the people in it i'll tell you that <laughs> those are the best
1: <laughs> meetings dude
0: ah you learn you learn bedrock stuff and it grows you know and, and you grow into your own person in recovery but those basics i mean i learned to make coffee i learned to shut up
3: oh mm. you know
0: i talked you know, I'm talking a lot, right? And that's my job. You know, I'm a speaker. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a performer. This is what I do. I'm a professional talker. And, you know, I yell on pitch. That's what I do. Um,
1: <laughs> Six years <laughs> later, it's okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? So shaped shapes a better way. Um, so, but I'm there, and the guy goes, he sits with me. And my parents own a restaurant at the time, and I'm here to impress him, right? The way I've gotten by my whole life, you know? And the thing that's really caused a lot of my downfall, I'm sitting with this guy? I hardly know. And he goes, if you drink, if you're an alcoholic, if you drink, and he's looking at me, bearing down on me, you will die. (laughs) And I Uh, was like, uh, uh, I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) But I'll never forget it. You know? And this guy is one of the most compassionate men I've ever known, but he tells it like it is. Gave so selflessly and told me about a couple weeks into me going to meetings. He pulled me aside and he said, John, I want you to know, because I had been running off of the mouth, Omar. I was saying things about what I had learned, the theology that I was learning, what oh, I think the dude. You know,
1: You were that guy. Oh. You have no idea. Crushed you like a can, didn't he? He goes, you got two ears and one mouth. Double the <laughs> list. How about you shut up for 30
0: days? And I said, oh, crap. And you know what? I usually would get mad at that. Because who are you to tell me? John DeLisa what to say, right? Don't you know who I am? Terminal uniqueness. And, but for some reason, thank God, I was like, okay, I guess you're right. There was just something stern, but sincere about those men in that room. And I don't like cigarette smoke. I, I kind of smoked when I was a, you know, when I was in uh, but I'm a singer, you know, and I'm very sensitive about all this sort of stuff. There was more smoke in that room than coming out of a chimney on Christmas in New England. And I couldn't, I swear to you, you couldn't even see five feet in front of your face, but I needed to be there. And I sat in that room and soaked up as much as I could. And I listened. And I was humbled. I was humbled so many times. And I realized, the, without knowing it, I realized the medicinal properties of just shutting up, mm-hmm. of just Taken just taken some suggestions because obviously your best thinking got you that chair, and uh, I learned how to make coffee. And why to this day, and I've always wanted to say this on the show. I've always wanted to say this out loud. I'm fanboying out right now. Okay, he goes, um, uh, you know, Starbucks has got all these nice coffees, and you know, I'm I'm pretty basic, and I like the pumpkin spice and all that stuff. But I will never appreciate burnt coffee in a styrofoam cup more than I do any other. I, t- I tell you, and I know a lot of people cut me now, and I'm sure the rate at which I'm talking, I probably should do the same, but I, uh, I, it's just, you develop, you develop a taste and a hunger for the opposite of how you've been living, mm-hmm. and it's baffling, man. It's, it's amazing to watch yourself go what you thought is so counterintuitive to how you thought life was going to get better for you. So if I've learned anything, it's when I hit hard times, and I have in sobriety recently too, um, that my best thinking and my first reaction to fix, 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 prove, 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 I'm like, wait a second, you got two ears and one mouth. Spend some time listening. Spend some time stopping for a second. And it's just proven so healthy for me. And um, But, you know, like I said, after that year, I did get accepted back to school. My old school, Florida State, wrote me a letter. And it's funny, I, I had like almost a year of sobriety and I wrote Florida State. I said, okay, I'm ready to come back. Da- I'm ready to come back now. Um, I'm good. I'm sober, by the way. I, I don't know if you knew this. And she goes, well, maybe this isn't the best environment for you. They're so sweet, mm. right? They're so-. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just got rejected. But here's the cool part, and here's the God part about this. There's this woman and uh, she was the head of the musical theater department. She just, she was the only one that sat down with me in the midst of it all and really knew there was a problem. No one else wanted to know about the problem, right? Because no one else needs to. Everybody operates in a me, me, me culture. But in, in recovery, we have to listen to each other. and We have to share our vulnerability. And I don't know what it was about this woman, but she saw it. And she wrote me a letter of recommendation to UCF. And I went and I had my second chance. And there it was. And Orlando, man, if you ever get the chance to go, that is a recovery hub. And I had at that point, you know, I thought I was going to go about the old way of doing it. I said to myself, I said, uh, I have to give this another shot. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. And now that's an important question. That's something that I don't think you should shy away from early in recovery, because the longer you sit with that question and you really don't have that answered, it really does need to be smashed, man. Um, because I sat with that for a while and I looked toward my sponsor. I looked towards the book and I was like, okay, how do I do this? Control drinking. I took a shot, I put it down and I was, I was almost off to the races again, man, in the second, in the the second time back at college, here I am going to actually graduate, you know, and I'm doing the right thing. And, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks that uh, I was most certainly still an addict mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I guess, you know, I got back into the rooms and, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know how much time we got. I don't want to bore you with too many particulars, but, uh, it was, um, like, all, right, well, all right, great. So here comes some particulars. Um, <laughs> there was, um, there was a girl, not a romantic interest, funny enough. And she was reading a small, this is when I was in the experimental phase of my recovery. I'm back at school, back at UCF thinking I'm hot shit. You know, back to the old way of thinking, because mm-hmm. that's going to help. And uh, there's this girl, really cute, holding a, a, a tiny big book, like a little little tiny incognito, in the asshole that I am. I go up to her, I said, uh, hey, what you reading? And she goes, oh, uh, and like, yeah, because that, that's fucking appropriate. Go up to a girl that's trying to like read an, an anonymous program and try to like grow spiritually. Yeah, let's, let's, let's wreck that. God. So I go up. Douche. Tell me about it. Yes. With a capital D.
3: <laughs>
1: for real.
0: So, yeah, you're right. So the I 13th up. stepper. Oh, man. I tell you what, that is something my current sponsor, like, he laid down hard because nothing worse than ruining it for someone. But I'll yes. tell you, this girl was strong. She did not buy into my bullshit. But, you know, I said, so what are you reading there? I'm hitting on it. Whatever. And I said, does it have anything to do with serenity? And she goes, oh, my gosh, and someone in recovery. And I said, well, no, no, I'm not, I'm not in recovery, but I certainly know what things too." And she took me to Panera, and I thought it was this date. And I was going to explain to her how I wasn't an alcoholic anymore, all these revelations that I had after my year of sobriety. And she says she listened so politely. This is the miracle of this program. She listened so politely the whole time. And she goes, oh, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, you know, I'm going to a meeting later. Do you want to come? Because clearly the shit that I was saying made no sense. Clearly I was rambling off at the mouth and I wasn't coming to no solid conclusion. And I sat in that room and I listened to the experience of young people for the first time. You know, I was raised in, a, in, a, in an environment of old timers and I got to lay down a great foundation. And I'm so grateful to that group. And I go, I still go, home. oh, when I'm home. But I'm in Orlando with a, young, a group of young people. And I'm like, oh, wait, you can be an alcoholic mm-hmm. in this. This is weird. So I got up and I got a white chip again. I was so embarrassed. I'm here. I am trying to impress this girl, right? And I'm like, nope. I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And that jerk reaction, that learned behavior, that part of my grab bag was still intact, even though I tried to let it go. Because they talk about that seed of recovery, right? That once seen, it can't be unseen. You know, once. Uh, what? What do they say? We're. Uh, if you're an alcoholic and you're in these rooms here and what we're saying, we probably ruined drinking for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if you're not, you know, great. Good for you. Hats off to you, as it says. But um, I knew what I needed to do that day and I did it. And, uh, you know, I, I made a habit of going to meetings and I started again, you know, while I was in school. And, you know, I still excelled and there was definitely a superstardom that was forming similar to the way that I experienced in school prior when I was using but I was keenly aware. And I'll tell you what, this is the program and not me. Because there's no I know what comes from me when I get success, man. I go off with it. But what came from me from being in those rooms and then experience success in that university and beyond and professionally, I needed to be in the rooms just as much, and this is key, man, for me, this alcoholic. I needed to be in the rooms just as much, if not more, when I experience success than when I'm at a new emotional bottle. Oh yeah. Dude. Ego. It's like,
3: it's huge. Mm-hmm. It
0: works ways against us. And this addiction, they say it's cunning, baffling and powerful. That's not just when you're passing the liquor store, man. That's when they're throwing best actor in Orlando at you. That's when they're throwing, Hey, do you, uh, do you want to publish a paper on alcoholism? Hey, we want to talk about your story. I knew I had to hold so tightly to what I was learning in those rooms. Cause I, cherished my sobriety more than finally, for the first time in my recovery. know, this is, we're talking, cause I haven't mentioned time right now, uh, we're talking uh, 20, 2012, 2013, maybe like 22, something like that, um, 22, 23. And uh, I knew that that my recovery was more important than my success and I never thought that I'd say that in my life. I never thought that I would think that. And a lot of people either listening now or the people that I've talked to in the rooms. They're so keen on what it is they want to do and what what it is their life should look like. But I'm telling you, do not be afraid of handing over everything because the things you get back, you can't come up with. No, You know, I cannot fathom to this day or in my wildest dreams could have made up the life that I have now and the person that I am now. And so, um... But yeah, good things are happening in UCF. and um they uh the the there was an honors in the major program and I'm you know I'm singing and dancing, doing the whole thing and doing pretty well and uh grades are good and I'm loving it and I'm learning for the first time. I'll tell you what, you know, when you have life experience to add to someone in the arts and singing and acting and stuff, you'd really be surprised at how you actually relate to material and you're a real person instead of, you know, Da, 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 and all that stuff um <laughs> so don't figure that it makes me a better actor you know and a more honest performer which is I, i'm beyond grateful so while that's all happening there's this honor in the majors program i have this itch to to be of service with my art and god put in front of me i believe god put in front of me uh, it's called the bill clinton global initiative and um, there was this man, uh, Tom Hall. He actually is pretty—he's pretty out there, you know, in the world of recovery and in collegiate recovery. So he's—he's. He's, uh, we, we we spoke before I, I talked on any because I'm I'm a semi-authority. I'm sort of co-founder of this whole thing, but I'll get to it. Um. So we um. My buddy Tommy and I, uh, we got to create a play, and we got to create a theater company, because uh, we wrote a grant to Bill Clinton and the Clinton Global uh, Foundation, and they gave us ten grand fly out to ASU to present in front of a world audience what recovery was for kids in college.
3: Oh, wow,
0: Dude, you have no idea the fire that's lit under me. Mm. This is a big reason that I'm still so active in different areas of recovery besides that plastic chair and that smoke-filled room that we talked about prior it's because there is a world at large that is ignorant and it's people like you and I you know off to your own I don't care it's people like you and it's people like sober nation and it's people like in the room that are organizing things that are still maintaining solid recovery principles still making it about the other still making it about service and recovery and 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 getting better and growing you know in these steps and uh and you know becoming a better human being but getting it out there He's stigmatizing this, right? And um, so that happened, and I'm sitting there. I'm one of 40 people on the floor of 800 worldwide participants, people that are studying women's uh, women's rights, uh, sciences, the Ukraine conflict was going on. They were there. I was talking to environmentalists, and here I am, this theater kid that's basically drunk telling a story. And people responded, man, and it was so cool to be able to, to use the arts uh, to, to to further a cause I was really passionate about. And uh, the result of that, you know, ah, I sort of have a mini regret about it and it's, it, it resurges back in my life in different ways. Um, but I wasn't done with the stage, you know, I wasn't done performing. I, I still, that's my first love and I wasn't ready to take on that much responsibility as a, as an artistic director. I'm only like 24, 25 at the time. And I was completely overwhelmed with the reaction. And so, after my story was told, I sort of handed it off to Tom Hall. Who I mentioned before, and he um, he created uh, what's called the Collegiate Recovery Center over at UCF. And you, they have they have an app. It's called uh, the Point at UCF. I think, yeah, that's what it is, the Point at UCF. And it's this uh, the health center took my project and the response that it got on the on the world level and the the paper that i wrote i'm a published academic go figure i thought i was just a uh you know like a talking figurehead but it turns out that when you care about something and you and you commit to honesty you'd be surprised the lengths that you'd be willing to go (laughs) uh you know what i mean to get your truth spoken i mean i'm sure you can relate with this show you know um you 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 took something you're passionate about and and creating something great and and the world responds accordingly because we need more of it especially today it does Yeah. So, um, yeah, after that happened, now there's a thriving collegiate recovery community and collegiate recovery. I'm sure you've talked about in your show before, especially sober nation being sort of a, uh, you know, they put, they put a lot of colleges out there for people. Kids are afraid to go to school, um, because of the environment that, you know, think about animal house, right? You remember that movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, normal man let's go crazy oh we have independence finally and yes there's a there's a natural curiosity and i never bash you know people going out and having a good time but the thing we have to be watchdogs are and not just cast these students out but provide an outlet to say you want to get your life back together right you can't do drugs and alcohol here's a space to do that here's a space to understand what it is to be a young person trying to better their minds and their craft and whatever it is they want to do with their lives why shouldn't those two mesh? why shouldn't those two things coincide? And that's what the collegiate recovery community does. And I got a call a year later as I'm embarking, uh, cause I, you know, I started booking gigs and I started touring with different theaters and functioning, you know, cause of this grab bag theory that we keep talking about cause the habits that I made in recovery, I can keep my head amidst the crazy world of performing and this can get crazy man. Um, and uh, so with this handoff, with this project, I get a call a year later before I'm about to uh, go to Europe because uh, I helped to uh, open Viking Ocean Cruises out there, um, and it was it was cool, man. It was the world, you know, the world opened up in that moment. But I'll tell you what, the one thing that I really remember from that experience was the week before I got on that boat to go sing, you know, for pretty much all of Europe was I get a call from Tom Hall when the CRC has started up, and he goes, John. I want you to know that the spotlight you put on this program and the, and the work that we're doing, we got our first call. I said, what do you mean? He says, I got a call from this kid from Michigan. And he says, I'm so happy you guys exist. I, I feel like I can go back to school again. He was empowered by that program to better his life. That he didn't feel that because he was an addict, because he was effectively outcast by society, some of this day we, have, we struggle with that, that he can go get an education and not fear relapse and not fear stigma, and exist, and grow. And I cried, I was a mess, in that parking lot with my bags packed, ready to go to Europe, Mr. About me, about me, about me. And the thing that touches me most to this day, the the, 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 the keystone that I come back to, is that moment. And and subsequent moments like that with the stories of people in recovery. There's nothing like it, I don't care, You can't, you cannot tell me. There's a better feeling than that. You can't. Oh, so, yeah.
1: So that's the uh, story. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I mean, and, and here we are. You know, I'm am a performer, and and I'm still doing it. And I had some hard times. There's been a lot of death in my family, a lot of um, a lot of feelings. You feel a lot, you know, when you when you get sober, and, and when the when those feelings come back, if if you aren't practicing the stuff, it, it's going to be too much. And at times it felt like it was, I've had some of my lowest moments in sobriety. And, uh, and again, I, I don't like the moniker that my best day sober is, is, better than my worst day drunk. I hated some of the things that I've experienced in sobriety, but what I've loved is that I have the tools and the fellowship and the sponsorship and that grab bag to become stronger through it. There's a, um, you know what tempering is like when you're making, when you're making swords? No. So the tempering process to be tempered to have a temperament, a strong temperament. Now there's a temper, which is a totally different thing. But to I have got, a temper- <laughs> yeah, you, you and me. I'm am Italian and Jewish. Like, come on, oh, like it's, shit. it's too much. <laughs> I know how to feel, feel like a sword. Funny enough, but I'm trying not to. I'm trying my best not to. Um, to temper is to be stuck into the heat. To take a sword to be stuck into the heat at a hundred whatever degrees it is to be pounded on by a hammer and then cooled. And that process happens over and over again. That's how you make swords. Look up any YouTube video on like a, a traditional sword maker, whether it's from medieval times to make a samurai sword. It's crazy. My sponsor likened it to that. And I said, why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? Why do I still feel? Because you're supposed to. Because mm-hmm. you're supposed to be put to the fire. You're supposed to go through these ups and downs. Wow. Because you know what? When you're cooled off, you're ready to be not only functional again, but stronger. Your bones break, they're reset, they're stronger. There's there. you can find that metaphor throughout. So I consider, not in my worst moments, but in my best moments, and I'm so grateful that I that I'm I am where I am when we got to have this interview. I still struggle with emotional sobriety, but I know today, fundamentally, that I'm being tempered by my higher power that I choose to call God. That hammer coming down, that heat, I'm being made stronger for a purpose that I do not comprehend that I cannot understand. And if that's as simple as just, you know, 8 PM Eastern time, talking to a guy in Costa Rica, giving that recovery message, so be it, man. I'm answering the call today because my, my best ideas got me drunk. My best ideas, my best ego and making it all about me, got me drunk. I, I welcome as best I can tempering today. I really do. And that's, that's where I'm at, man. That's uh, that's, that's how I get by today
1: man that is there is a lot there John. I mean a lot and it's it's so cool and how old are you now twenty eight I just turned twenty eight uh the fifteenth i'm an old, I'm an old man right you were going through so much like as i am going around i' going, i'm going you know you look like you're twenty two but your story sounds oh, like you're oh so 42. On. you know <laughs> and I was like, it, it, how could you squeeze so much under thirty? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously. Like I, now, see, here's one thing that I'm deprived of too, and and I I really like. Uh, I'm planning to go in November. Hopefully, hopefully in November, I'll be in in uh, uh, Minnesota. I think it's Minnesota. Oh, and uh, I'll be going to what's that?
0: How close is Minnesota to DC? You come come see a show. I'm oh, sorry, that's a side. You can edit that out. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you tickets to come to the. the <laughs> Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Okay,
1: all right. If I'm close enough, I will. But I'm going to be there for just a week because I'm going to get certified as a peer recovery specialist. You need to do that. And the, one of the reasons why I'm doing that is because of everything that you're talking about right now. Like, But because I'm here in Costa Rica, it's, not, it's, it's almost like if I was online doing this, right? It's almost like when you talk about being online and, and being at meetings, right? It's not the same. Yeah. I mean, it's doing its job, but there's nothing like getting a hug. Right, there's nothing like being in right. front of somebody talking to you. You know, your sponsor looking at you, going, "Take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your <laughs> mouth. You're full of shit." That's true. You know that kind of thing, <laughs> and then him hugging you. You know what I mean? Like, like we need that, right? Like, I interviewed Ariel Spanville. I don't know if that name rings a bell at all, but she was also she's in collegiate the collegiate recovery community, right? So I hear it. Was that earlier in this year? Oh, that was no, no. that was, this was episode. Oh. Dude, this is episode a really long time ago. That's what episode that was. Like, I don't even remember the number. I, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was way back uh, a long time ago. We're talking at least maybe maybe close to two years ago. Um, but anyway, she's young. She's got all this fire. She went to the White House. She was invited to go to the White House to share her story. Ooh. And so it was like a really cool story. And it's it's a, a lot about you know. Yours parallels a lot to that. You know, being in school and struggling through the addiction. And listen, man, like I get your passion. I, I
0: think she had a TED talk, didn't she?
1: Uh, she probably did. Like she's If you Google Ariel Spanville, yeah you will you will find you'll find her where she's spoke in, in in white house where she's been interviewed where uh where she's been interviewed a few times but the but the the cool thing is that you know when we talk about colleges and you talk about what goes on in there it's funny but you hear this thing where it's like okay with the when like i remember when i was you know knee deep in the drugs and alcohol and they're like look man there's a time and a place for drugs and alcohol and that place is called college right so yeah. it's, just, it's yeah. It I, makes sense. Yeah, and and you know the, the movie Animal House, it's all based on that idea, right? When college Freedom was the, for the first time was the best years of my life, <laughs> hands down. And all I did was drink and go to parties. Never yeah. graduated from college; wasn't my goal. I didn't know it at the time, but you know, my goal was to be there to party, to pick up girls, and to be at every kegger. That's true. But here's the thing, man, and here's the thing: there's people that go into hospitals that are in bad accidents and are given opiates, right, are given oxycodone, oxy- right. given oxycodone, and they don't come out drug addicts, man. So right. I don't blame the substance anymore. and I don't blame the surroundings. I don't blame anything. We have a chip. Yeah. We, have a mal- we have a maladapted gene that when mm. the drugs and the alcohol hit our system, it, it changes everything about who we are, yeah. and we absolutely love it.
0: Well, I guess I would, I would purport that I agree. The institution is, the the blame has to be removed from your vocabulary, right? To live the spiritual life. And I agree, this is a sickness, like period, end of sentence. I guess the thing that I wanted collegiate recovery to focus on, and that, and that I hope the movement becomes, is recognizing just that very thing, is that these are just kids that are different, that want to better themselves. So the stigma around that is centered in exactly what you just said. It's as simple as as the sickness. and if that sickness is being if these kids are willing to work on that and to give themselves up they they should feel that they're comfortable to 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 come back. but yo, no, by no means, um. Do I do I ever want to blame an institution? I just wanted I just wanted to set that record that
1: record straight. And, and I hear you, and I know that that's not what you you know what you meant either. But you know I just wanted to be clear because you know I think yeah. I think there's a time and a place for everything, and not and not everybody's an addict. But I do know this: I saw the movie, The Anonymous People, a great movie, and it does talk about how in the United States there is this giant movement in the prisons. You have sections now in certain prisons where you can choose to be in a recovery wing, right? So if you're in for a drug-related crime, which is 50% of the prison, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's high, right? You can be in the recovery side, and and what you do there is you actually work a program in prison, right? And that includes Uh different chores, different obligations, things of that nature. And the idea of not being anonymous anymore, the idea of the share podcast, the idea Mm -hmm. of what you talked about earlier about Old timers one up in you, you know, talking about how, well, you know, I spilt more drugs than you did. You know what I mean? Like, how Mm. is that helpful in any way, shape, or form? But here's what I tell people, newcomers that get that, Mm. that hear that, right? We're, who are we and who are you talking to? We're drug addicts, we're alcoholics, right? We're just, Mm -hmm. we're sick people trying to get well, and it doesn't matter how much time we have, we're not perfect. We're just human beings. And you're always going to have that guy. There's always going to be that guy that's going to say something (laughs) that's going to piss you off. But if you take yourself too seriously, Mm -hmm. it's going to kill you. That's right right? It's not about the messenger. It's only about the message, you know? And and these are things that, you know, after 14 years and stuff that I've learned along the way, because I felt the exact same things that you have felt. I have seen the exact same things that you have, and I've been just as passionate. And you're right. It's why I do this podcast, right? It's because... I want a forum that, that we mentioned a topic like you just mentioned, like, oh, they're, up, you know, they're up, upping us, one upping us in there. And it's like, no, it's going to happen in Costa yeah. Rica. It happens in Costa Rica. It happens in California. It happens in New York. It happens in Minnesota. It happens in Washington, D.C. Every yeah. meeting's going to have one of those guys. But guess what else it's going to have? It's going to have guys with solid recovery. They're going to come up mm-hmm. to you after a meeting and say, hey, buddy, it's going to be all right. All right? Yeah. Just keep coming back. Right, And if you True. just don't pick up one day at a time, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You know what I mean? Uh, and and that's, what it's, that's what it's all about, dude. That's what it's all about.
0: I hear that. My, my sponsor said uh, the first time I, I got so mad. And he used it as a, as a learning example because, you know, I like the, some of the Buddhist principles that say, you know, I am, uh, I'm not who you think I am. You are who you think I am. <laughs> So in some way, yeah, let's let <laughs> that sink in for a couple of months. God, I'm still wrapping my head around that. Um, he says, um, you you know, our enemies are our perceived enemies are our best teachers. And I realized and I caught myself running that high road like I knew something, you know, because a lot of people I, I can get really resentful for reasons I don't understand yet. And and I see now in in that old timer experience that. It wasn't as common as it is today as, as, as days change and the older I get, you know, and the older we all get, I guess in recovery, the thing that I want to watch out for is bitterness and resentment, you know, and I don't know why that guy said those kind of things. I don't know why that reaction was. I could say, because, you know, he didn't get sober when I was as young as I was or whatever. I could develop all sorts of reasons. But I guess the thing that I really took away with it was, does that guy have what you want? Hmm. You yes. know what I mean? Is this guy, yes. What, is, what does his chip say that he wears mm. around his neck? Like, like uh, what, is a, what is that guy with the clock? So the oh. with the clock. I forgot
1: his name. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, so Joe, I know exactly he, who you're uh, talking about. You
0: know, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I'm glad that that's the rhymes?
1: You, uh, no. Uh, no. That, I'll, I'll go to the Google. Yeah, anyway, go, go.
0: Yeah, so he said, so do you want what he asked? Because. We we lean a lot a lot of this culture sometimes sometimes at its at its not so best I'll say um, leans into look at the number on my medallion look at the time and there are some stern truths and I, this is a guy that grew up with a bunch of old timers this is a this is a guy that will literally spend every night at eight a.m. hanging out with guys three times a day. Mm. this is not an ageist comment this is this is me not understanding what it is our leaders in recovery are trying to tell young impressionable kids. That's what I was. I was 19 when I came in, you know? And so, and now I realize that, uh, you know, my sponsor says, do you want one? Yes. Because the quality of sobriety is gauged upon the program. I mean, you've, I've heard guests say it on your show who woke up first today. (laughs) You know what I mean? Let's gauge it by 24 hours. Like, like it says and make it more about, more about our fellow sufferers like that guy that comes up at the end of the meeting and says it's going to be okay because our primary purpose you know however we want to deliver the message is about helping each other things over and about things over ourselves so i'm still grappling with that you know like little little hurt little hurt 19 year old job still 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 carrying that around but i'm seeing it clearer now and i'm yep. seeing the strength in leaning on the principles that I found in recovery because they are before personalities, man, for for a reason.
1: And, you know, and remember, John, it's not always going to be sunshine and orgasms. Uh, <laughs> I told you I was going to be using that.
3: <laughs> oh, well, that, that's our show, folks. No, no,
1: no. Uh, oh, Flava Flav. There he is. Thank you. Oh, God. Oh man! I'm gonna your have your point, point of bringing place. him up in the first place? Well, because you you, you wear your time around like a ah, uh, like that. Another I'm, one. Who who are the oh man! I'm gonna use that one. Who the fuck do you think you are, Flavor Flav? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you carry your fucking
3: time around your
1: neck, like.
0: <laughs> That's the best part about it, no one will get what you're saying. Dude, I you. got What's
1: this that? now. I'm, I'm dropping <laughs> I'm dropping bombs at the meetings now. <laughs> yes.
0: And you know, uh, you know to shake up the system is 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 always a good it's a good time for me, man. and uh, but it's it's necessary to because if our spirituality is based on growth, if our sobriety and our survival is based on growth, who's to say that doesn't apply? and that's that's a big source of contention. and and I'm not here to reinvent the wheel. none of us are. We're here to stay sober and to grow. And if, and if we're, we're communicating you and I from hundreds of thousands of miles away, however far Costa Rica is, um, in, in a matter of of moments, who's to say that the way we deliver the message shouldn't change as well. What principle that has brought, yeah, that has brought the 12 steps to this point says that, that that's not okay. You know what I mean? So I I really, I really encourage myself on a day-to-day basis in, in my, in my circles and. And the people that I that I get the the opportunity to talk to is that, look, man, you know the whole stick with the winners thing. You're going to tell the difference. You really, yes. really feel if you really open if you open your ears and eyes. And man, this this is why I wanted to take an hour and twenty minutes, however long we've been talking, because I see what you have. You know what I mean? And I, and I am a young person in recovery to this day. I'm going to be a young person for as long as I get away with it. Um, but <laughs> I, I see I see the quality of sobriety. You know, I, I think someone said. On your, you know, when you read your reviews, someone said, I'm not even in recovery. I don't even like AA. But man, you're happy, you know? Yes. we got to roll
1: with that. I have, I, th- the surprising thing is I have quite a few reviews where they've said, I'm not even in 12-step recovery, but I love the stories and I love the delivery. Because it's authentic. It's real. Yeah. You know, it's like watching a movie, you know? I mean, you, you, there's so many movies that you watch that, you know, you don't play any of the characters, right? And you, you can't relate. But the storyline is fantastic, you know? You know? And I mm-hmm. love one of the things you said, though, too, about, you know, being at the meeting, right, and drinking that mm-hmm. cup of coffee, Right, because you know it's <laughs> not like you know and 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 I'm talking about you know like when I'm going to starbucks i I'm going to order something basic like pumpkin spice you know, I did it a pumpkin spice that's basic <laughs> that's a gift of recovery
0: I, I say nothing else about that i am i am i'm entitled I was to oh, that. like
1: I should. <laughs> I'm expecting cappuccinos at the meetings. You know, um, well, you know what? Why, why not? It could it could habit. happen. It could happen. But I think what's <laughs> important, you know, the, the most important thing to, to remember in all of this and everything that we've just done and, Conversations that we're having is you can't take yourself too seriously. You can't take recovery too seriously, even though you have to take it very seriously. Right? It's
0: but deadly, but we gotta laugh. We've it's gotta it's laugh.
1: deadly if you don't take the disease of addiction seriously, but it's just as deadly if you take recovery too seriously. You have to right. wear it like a loose garment, you have to be able to evolve with the times. I am I work in a drug and alcohol treatment center which is yeah. based on the Minnesota model and so we ship these patients off to meetings every single day. And one of the things we battle is this conversation that you and I just had about old timers and their exact words are one upping people, right? Because some of mm. these kids are young. They're young and they haven't there's, experienced and there's such
0: an inferiority complex yes. already going yes. into the room. So and, and I don't care how old you are, that you are beaten and broken if you're giving your life over to this program the way that it says yes. you know what I mean so <laughs> regardless of, of how many grays you got in your hair you know it's it, you're. we're all coming from the same spot man broken and battered
1: you know you know and it's funny because I always I, I, I err on the side of caution whenever I use that word broken because people talk about well <laughs> no one's really broken right <laughs> but I gotta tell you man I gotta tell you when i came into this place i mm. felt broken i mean that's the word i would use i felt I had left. broken like a toy you know yeah. like one of those toys that's in a kid's room that's just been beaten to death he mm. dragged that thing everywhere through the mud outside it was his favorite <laughs> toy until he looked at it one day and said that thing is a mess right and and mm. discarded right like All those feelings broken, discarded, alone, isolated.
0: I know I came into that with, I thought, yeah, I I relate to that metaphor of being the bear. I thought the kid that had the bear, that was beating up that bear, I thought that was my higher power.
3: Mm. I thought
0: that's how God operated.
3: No. And if we're
0: to learn, you know what I mean? If we're to learn to to understand ourselves as precious but not special, you know, a, a singular human being, but not unique. These mm-hmm. are very difficult concepts for a very, for a battered ego, for a battered little bear like me, mm-hmm. like all of us that come into recovery. And so why continue discarding someone's ego? Cause a lot, cause I think a lot of different kinds of people come into recovery. You know, I, my ego needed to be shut down, you know, and there was a way to do it because my first sponsor, that Ken W guy that I was talking to you about, mm-hmm. he showed me through his actions, by coming to my, 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 my place of living, to my sanctuary, taking me on rides, I saw who this man was before he laid truth on me. This guy looked me in the eye and said some pretty harsh stuff, but I already had a foundation, a relationship with this old-timer that I knew what his intentions were. I knew who he was in recovery. I knew his time. I knew that I liked what he was talking about, and I saw his actions. So if you don't back up these harsh things, that yes need to be heard from really egotistical alcoholics like myself, I'll just tell you that right now, there has to be an undergirding of love, man. Yes, if we if, if we can't move mountains in if we're you know if we don't have love. You know, I, I like certain phrases from certain religious texts, and I think that is so so true. Again, paraphrasing, but still,
1: at, at the base of it all, at the at at the base of it all, at the foundation of this program of being in recovery. It has to come from love. And not should, and not, you know, could. It, it has to. It has to come from a place of love because we sniff out bullshit like, you know, bloodhounds, right? I smell out, you you know, I, and like you said, I don't want, I come, I've been into plenty of rooms. I go, I don't want any of what that guy's got. I don't want any of that. I don't give a shit. How much time he's got, I want none of it. I hear you. You know, and and you you recognize when someone has, you know, forgotten what it was like to walk into these rooms, you know, day one because they're 20 years separated from that first, from that last drink or that last drug, you know, and somehow you lost your way, you know, and you forgot that this is all about love. Being loving, being caring, showing someone kindness, showing them that there's a better way.
0: Tell <laughs> it like it is though. I feel like I'm looking at my car, man. That's what I say when I'm in my car. I'm like, tell him like it is though. <laughs> nice. Now but you're talking to me now. It's kinda of surreal. Yeah, so I go I go from the actor to I go from the guy on stage to the fan very, very easily. It's it's uh it's I think it's uh it's a, it's something that I don't want to lose. No. is the wonder. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? There's a yep. wonder to the freaking program. And there's a wonder to watching God move in people's lives. I never want to lose that.
1: And here's the thing too, man. Like you said it, because I remember, you know, just for the Clinton, you know, for the Clinton Foundation, we spoke, you know, and you were asking yourself, like, you know, well, look at all these, what, you know, what do I have to offer? And you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a lot, of, a lot of how we tell our story a lot or, or the impact that we have is our delivery. You know, we can't discount that gift, you know, you know, know. as an actor and as a guy who's not even an actor. Right. But I deliver, you know, I have this gift of delivery. Right. And and it makes the difference. You know, when I get up on stage and I talk about my bottom and I talk about my daughter and I talk about Mm -hmm. these moments in my life that when I go there, I go there. I can connect with that moment, right? And 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 it's in that instant that everyone else is connecting with me. You know, yeah. I recognize that gift. And if I don't use it, if I don't share it, then what's it there for? You know. And you have that same gift. Oh, thanks, man.
0: That means a lot to hear you say that. It really, it's, I get I get a lot of. We call it the "Enjoyed It" line on cruise ships. We stand outside and we shake people's hands, and say "Enjoyed it, enjoyed it." Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. I get, I am inundated with compliments and accolades. Like I said, I used to, I used to thrive on that. But when I, when you're talking about the gift and you take that gift, you recognize it as such, and you change your intention to make it about service and about others and about telling truth, dude, I'm literally doing the same thing that I started doing in, in my active addiction, the same career. I mean, but my perspective is so, so different. You know, we can use that gift of gab. I can use that acting, my talents. Um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, for, for the power of evil, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. My inner Conan O'Brien just came out. I don't know. But uh, it's true. You know, when we're using it for self, it's just so self-defeating. And it's just not honest. And it's not a wonder that we tank. But I, I love it. in the. And, and I guess all that is to say, I... I really appreciate you saying that, because I, I do feel like you're you're a leader, you're an innovator, and no one can take that away from someone speaking their truth. Um, and especially when you feel like you're using the gift you were given, where you're using what, um, and it's why I could stand on the world stage and not crumble, because I'll tell you what, before, as as I started getting bigger and bigger in, in, in the acting community in school, and started getting more and more opportunities, I needed to drink, because I didn't feel worthy. I knew that I was a piece of crap and I had to dr- I drank before talking to a girl. I drank before going on a date. I drank before going on stage and I'll tell you what. One of my bottoms talking about using the gift and this is this is serious stuff. Um, I have a because of my experience with childhood trauma and and stuff kids are very precious to me. My godson is so important to me. I was handed my godson to be his godfather when I was a couple years sober and it was the most miraculous thing in the world for my cousin to trust me to lead this kid um, uh, into a better life. And it was so beautiful. But it wasn't but from that moment a couple years back that I was high on stage in a children's theater show, man. I was doing a show in front of hundreds of kids out of my head. And I'm used to people coming up to me in line saying, what a great job, what a great job. Kids know, kids know When you're inauthentic and they came up, they didn't know, I'll I'll take it back. They didn't come up to me after the end of the show. I'm the star of the show, right? That's Mr. It's Mr. Look at me. And I'm doing great as far as everybody else is concerned, but they knew. And it was that moment that I solidified and I crossed that boundary. I know a lot of people on your show talk about saying, I'll never drink during this instance. We all do that. We set up boundaries and then we cross that line. That was, that was my line that I crossed and I never want to do that again. Um, that was abusing my gift that for me wasn't using what I was given properly. And uh, so I guess, yeah, I guess all that is to say, I'm just really glad that I get to surround myself with um, you know, with people like yourself, with performers uh, in my industry, which I thought was full of selfish people. You'd be surprised once you key into your higher power and you really, really um, keep close to these principles. You'll find a lot of like-minded folks And as scary as it is to admit you're an alcoholic, especially in something that you want so much like a profession or I don't know, like any goal we have in life, Um, like going back to college. If you're honest with yourself and you can stand in your truth and believe that a higher power has got your back, you'd be surprised at the response around you. You'd be surprised at the world that you can see around you that you couldn't see before.
1: Man, what you just described back there was incomprehensible demoralization, demoralization. Ah. and and reminding. I think one of the things to to remind ourselves, especially when you're telling that story, is just that you know we've we've all been there. We've all yeah. we've all had those moments where you look back, and there is nothing but shame and guilt and remorse just riddling. That moment right yeah. but you have an mm-hmm. option you have a choice you can use that to rise from the ashes and mm-hmm. you know become the person that you were always intended to be and start using your powers for good instead of evil right or we do
0: realize we're talking in terms of superheroes like I just want to throw that out there.
1: absolutely absolutely <laughs> all right I wear a cape every week
0: there you <laughs> uh, I and it's 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 no wonder man it's it's no it's no wonder that we get that, that that you get to do something like that and i i i
1: appreciate that thank you thank you i and and the the bottom line is this right you got to remember we've all been there right and no matter how bad it gets right the 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 cautionary tale is always that you can always change and there's nothing that you've done that's so bad, okay, mm. that you can't forgive yourself over, right? And and yep. you're a testament to that, right? Like no matter how bad it got, no matter how guilty you felt about that moment, right? Mm. That, that you have to rise above it. You have yep. to rise above it. You have to forgive yourself.
0: And accept the forgiveness that's in in my in, in my belief because they say they say it's pride in reverse, right? You know, I've heard it talked in your show is that all of a sudden. You know, you think you're hot shit, but then you think you're such shit that you're beyond the reach of, in my in my belief, you know, the source of all goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's, that's kind of egotistical of me, too.
1: Well, yeah, I would say whenever you use the, the term the source of all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. No, I didn't refer to me. No, but uh, uh, okay, okay, okay.
1: No, but you can connect. <laughs> okay, good. But you can connect. You can connect with the source that is all good and that that's, here. that's all yeah. that's important. All right, John, let's start closing up, buddy. We're going to yeah, we, we could do this for the next 6 hours. I mean, I can dig it, but I got to get on <laughs> with my wife. So, here we Bad go. Here. <laughs> all right, so John, for the newcomers, I have five mm-hmm. questions for you about your early recovery that I want you to respond with to inspire the newcomers. Are you ready?
0: No pressure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Number 1. What was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery?
0: Going to meetings, hands down. It's um, it, you have to build these habits. You have to take the suggestions. If you think it's dumb to call someone every day, well, it's certainly better than trying to solve your own problems in the bottle. So go to, go to those meetings and
1: follow suggestions. Beautiful. And number two, at what point did you have a spiritual awakening? That aha moment in recovery, when you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol. But for the first time, had developed the hope that you could recover.
0: You know what? I wanted to to hearken it back to that like white light moment or whatever, mm-hmm. just to think you know it was really cool and divine. and That was great, but then I relapsed. You know, so the, the <laughs> aha moment that I really had was <laughs> I was with uh, I was with a roommate in college for the second time. He was a cop, and uh, I tried some controlled drinking. And I he's a total stranger. I sat with him, and we were at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I said, "Look, you have to you have to watch me. I'm an alcoholic." So I don't know what's going to happen if I have this beer. And I had a cold- oh, dude, I had the worst relapse in history. I, ugh, it was terrible. So I, worst meaning lame, I should say. Uh, thank God, I should say as well. So I take a sip and nothing's happened. I'm like, oh, I'm great. I don't feel like another drink. I don't even finish the beer. I had seven glasses of water. I'm good. We go to Walmart and we get some groceries for the apartment, you know, because we're you know, both in school and doing our thing. And lo and behold, the next thing I remember, I'm in front of the, the liquor section. Looking at, well, half a beer didn't hurt me. What's the case going to do? <laughs> really? And the guy looks at me. He doesn't know me from Adam. We've known each other for like maybe three days. And he goes, he, in his voice. he's one of my best friends now. He goes, uh, I thought you said you were only going to have one, John. Are we going to have a problem here? And I said, <laughs> <laughs> so like this dude, he's the best. Um, and uh, and I, it just, it snapped. And I was like, holy crap, I have an addiction. And that was it. That was my aha moment. It was that boring. It was in front of a like a fluorescent lit Walmart liquor section. So, it can happen, man. Just, just gotta, it'll hit you. <laughs>
1: Dude, that is a beautiful aha moment. <laughs> nothing nothing like a cop, right? To stare you down and give you the cop talk like right? right in the middle of your, you know, uh, what is it? The 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 the, uh, right. the obsession of the mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wanted my bullshit co-signed by a stranger and instead. This guy, like, uh, who doesn't have anything invested in me, he could have nope. just said, "Yeah, let's tie one on." Not happening. Not with this guy. And that's a god. That's a god.
1: Act of God. He dialed that in. It's <laughs> an HP baby <laughs> moment.
0: That's
1: true. <laughs> HP baby. All right. So, do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to a newcomer that you read in early recovery?
0: Really, books this might be an unpopular opinion books hindered my process I'm not even going to lie to you books because I'm such a I consider myself such an academic and a well spoken mm-hmm. whatever I used books to justify myself I used theology to try to trap God in the pages of books um, when I started reading you know some of these spiritual stories were wonderful and great the best things I've ever read were with my ears listening to other people's stories mm. We're interacting with other alcoholics. If that's not at the forefront of my mind, I can spend hours in books and planning and list-making, trying to create the world that God has already made perfect. So I...
1: Uh, yeah, I like that justification for not reading, dude. That's strong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a guy that doesn't want to read. Um, no, no, no. I, okay, if I, if I were to say, I'd say the 12 and 12. I think mm-hmm. it is a wonderful, wonderful in-depth look at um at these principles that have that have uh flowered into so many so many uh, uh recovery programs it's 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 just wonderfully written the more I read it the more you get out of it it's uh yeah I would say that the twelve and twelve beginning to end.
1: Awesome. All right. So number four, what is the best suggestion you have ever received?
0: Why don't you try shutting up for thirty days? <laughs>
1: that's a great suggestion dude
0: I talk too much and, and, and it's true you know the, your best thinking and your best idea and and please you know whoever's listening to this or whatever and whoever I talk to is just like don't take it so personally man because it, you do get better you don't get inundated with like this AA doctrine you still, you still are you know recovery doctrine you still are a, a, a living independent human being but man couldn't you just stand to try something different like in all honesty so I needed to hear that and that, that was the best suggestion I got, and I'm, I'm glad that, that, I, that I took
1: it. Buddy, I got the same suggestion, so, you know, I'm feeling you. I'm <laughs> f- absolutely. He goes, my sponsor, when I came back from my relapse, he said, are you willing to go to any length? I said, yes. Okay, so you're going to go to 90 meetings in 90 days, and for the first 30 meetings, you're going to show up and not say anything ah. because there is ah. absolutely nothing that's going to come out of your mouth that anybody's going to want to hear. You know, like I got the same old school shit. Like I tell this to some of the guys that are new; they're so delicate. You know, like argh, argh, never let somebody talk to me like that. You know what I mean? But I was just desperate, desperate. I needed it. I needed it.
0: And here's the here's the thing: if you don't have compassion for yourself as a newcomer, if you're like you think you're a piece of shit, and you but at the same time you think you're hot shit like me, if you have any shred of compassion, think about the guy next to you that is willing to listen. Mm. What if this guy seriously I, I learned very early that opinions kill people. And I hold firm to that. If what if a brand new person coming in, here's your suggestion. I cringe when people cross talk and go, "Hey man, I heard what you said, but you know what I'd do." No. And I'm like, oh, God, "You have insane. no idea. It's not just egotistical, you know, oh, it's 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 life-threatening. It really can be because it you're, you're, you're playing judge, jury, and execution. You're playing the higher power. And you're not. You're not, man. And so it's, it's more than just shattering your ego. It's protecting those that would hear the solution in the room. For
1: real. What Was that one that you said in the beginning? Uh, we said, um, oh, my God. The, the, the one about God, I'm not it?
2: Oh, uh, Rudy. Yeah.
0: I know two things. And he says, the Catholic priest, I know two things. And my whole theological... So that's why I'm about the books, man. Because study, 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 study. And he comes down to this one this one principle. There is a God, and I'm not him.
1: <laughs> that was it. All right. So final question. If you could give our newcomers only one suggestion, what would that be?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I used say go to meetings. The word hope came to mind, and mm. I didn't have that early in recovery. I don't have that in some of my worst days. Sometimes recently, you know, in sobriety, I... I've been going through a lot, man, And but again, if I come back to where I was and where I am, it's not just the material successes, but you see the propensity for hope in the hopeless. So if you think you're at a bottom, below bottom, below bottom, and it's unreachable, something's got you listening to this podcast. Something's got you in that chair in that room. Have some. Don't be afraid to have hope because it's there. And you can see it if you look for it.
1: Oh, dude. That is how we are closing. Awesome. <laughs> Strong close. Oh man. <laughs> oh, cool. oh, man.
0: I'm so glad to have to have, uh, to have been here, man. It's a, it's, uh, to, to say it's an honor would be an understatement, and I, and I mean that.
1: Well, it's an honor to have you on the show, brother. John, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
0: Oh man, well the, the egotistical person in me would say go to com and see all my shiny achievements. But that's not true. You you could, I mean, or whatever, because uh, it's a fun it's a fun little life story. But the more important thing is I, I have no problem giving out my information. Just uh, it's my last name dot my first name at gmail.com. Um also I would really encourage again, I wanna I wanna reiterate there, if you're if you're afraid of of furthering your education or growing in recovery, you can, man. And I would say, you know, just listen to this podcast and listen to the things that are out there. You're not alone. Yeah, reach out to me via email. I don't know, give him my Skype name. I don't care.
1: John, what's your what's your website, John?
0: Oh, it's, it's, it literally is www. Primarily, I use it for my um uh, they, for my
1: performing. you have a contact us uh, section in there? I
0: do. This up. There's a button on there. Uh, just hit contact, Damn and it'll full. just go straight to my. Straight to my email, and uh, it'll it'll just say welcome, greetings. You know, it's just I I don't think that there's an inch of my life that shouldn't be touched by recovery. So yeah, that that would be the way to do it. All
1: right, guys, you heard it. I'll have these. I'll have John's information listed on the show notes on the website. <laughs> so check it out. Beautiful, John. Again, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you. And I and I know what brought us together, and I'm going to say it hp baby <laughs> <laughs> i got to say another
1: show you know that's the thing i love it i love it that's one of the things i love the most right when the interviewees come in ready to drop the hp baby because that's what it's all Dude, about
0: don't hashtag
1: <laughs> hashtag hp baby <laughs> own it oh, i love it all right folks we've now reached the end of our show thanks for joining us and as we say here in costa rica pura vida
2: Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.